You're listening to the Zoe Turner Podcast, business and mindset conversations that will help you move from fear and uncertainty to development and growth so that you can crush both life and business. Please welcome your host, Zoe Turner. On today's podcast, I am speaking to a lady who says that she can help you find love. She specializes in working with ambitious, high-achieving women, helping them attract lasting and romantic relationships. In her coaching business, she teaches the same unique dating methods that she used to turn her own disastrous dating life around. So she teaches you what attraction really means and how important it is to embrace your feminine side. So if her own love life is anything to go by, then her techniques must work because within nine months, she met and got engaged to her now husband. She has an amazingly high success rate with over 220 client engagements in the past five years and hundreds of happy relationships. She's previously been featured in Forbes, Business Insider, Entrepreneur, Marie Claire, and the BBC. So welcome to the podcast, Sammy. Thank you for having me, Zoe. Sammy, to kick this off, tell us a little bit about what inspired you to become a dating coach. Yes, so I think there were two main factors um, that led me to my current career as a love and relationship expert. The first one, and I think the most important one, was my own struggles with men as a smart and successful woman. So today, I am the CEO of a seven-figure company. I am a mother. I'm a wife. I feel very blessed and very lucky to say that I, right now, I'm experiencing my dream. I'm living my dream of having it all. Uh, But just a decade ago, If you were to meet me, you would see that I was still a very successful person. I had brains. I was intelligent. I was reasonably good looking. I was a good person. But my love life was my love life was miserable. So man after man, I would think I had found the one things would take off and then they would either disappear. They would ghost. They would fizzle out on me. And it was one breakup where I felt like I had finally found the one where we dated intensely for two months. And then he got back to me. He went silent on me. And then when I followed up after 10 years, 10 days of not hearing from him, he said, you are such a lovely person. And there's another man who's going to make you happier than me. And my heart not only broke that day, And, you know, I remember sitting in my Berlin apartment and, you know, tissues and ice cream two o'clock at night and talking to my sister and my girlfriends. But then something else changed for me that night because I realized that the way I was approaching my love life, something was clearly off about it. And I had to change my approach. And so I think it was my pain of that breakup that helped me channel my empowered CEO energy with which I run my company today, where I said, you know, there's got to be a solution here. There's something I am doing that is not working. And I had to 
you know, use my logical brain to figure this out. Because if I don't figure this out, then my dream of, you know, marriage, children, it's just going to remain that a dream. So I think uh, that personal experience really spurred me into, you know, learning from the experts, understanding where I was going wrong, um, you know, understanding how attraction between a man and a woman really works and understanding that my success and my brains is not really the problem. Uh, something else was going on there, uh, which I'm going to be very happy to share as we move along in this interview. But that was a major transformation moment in my life that led me into understanding and learning and teaching myself about how romantic relationships really work. And I think the second thing that spurred me into this career was really how the universe conspired to sort of bring it all together. Because um, when I met my husband and very quickly after I dived into studying about romantic relationships, you know, it, I understood where I was going wrong and I decided to change my approach. And I met and attracted my husband within nine months of doing the work. We got engaged in six months. Six months later, we were married. And then we moved to Paris because he got a great job. And then I found myself with a master's degree in public policy, you know, being a smart woman with a brain, having all, always worked and, you know, created amazing things. I found myself in a foreign country, not speaking French, married to a German man and sitting at home and waiting for him to come back. And that was the moment where I felt like, okay, this cannot be my life. You know, what are my gifts? What can I share with the world that I have been able to crack the code to? And this is where my idea of sharing what I had learned to turn around my own love life and making it into a professional coaching career, that's when my company was born. And what was amazing was that, you know, I come from Indian uh, origins and my parents, nobody's ever heard of a love coach. Like, what is a love coach for God's sake? And I have, I have a degree in economics. I have a degree in uh, public policy. I've always been like a best student, gold medalist. And it was very disappointing, if I'm honest, for my parents to hear that I'm going to give it all up and put it to the side and help smart and successful women find love. But I really, Zoe, I really believed in what I was, what I had learned. And I really believed that I was not alone in my struggles because I was surrounded. I was studying in Berlin's top university. I was surrounded by gorgeous, successful, sensitive, amazing women who were all struggling just like me. And so I knew that these messages that I today, you know, teach my clients and run a seven-figure company with these messages needed to be heard by other women out there. And it was amazing to watch how quickly the company grew. We grew to six figures in the first year, multi-six figures in the second year, seven figures in the third year. And now we're on our path to creating a multi-seven-figure brand. And we're helping women across 55 countries of the globe. And we're really excited about the results we help our clients achieve based on the processes I have developed. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I'm very interested to know, so where were you going wrong? I'm sure the listeners are too, because it's probably mistakes that a lot of us out there are making too when it comes to finding love and lasting relationships. What did you identify as being the, the biggest barriers to you finding love? Biggest barriers? I think if I, as an expert, I always think of, oh my God, there's so many factors that I worked on. But if I had to pick up one thing, 
it would be that I was approaching my love life with the same masculine energy that I approached my career goals with. So to help you understand this, I was, I am, not was, I am ambitious, I'm driven. I believe in women, in everybody realizing their self-potential and their gifts on this planet. And when I set a goal, I take action to achieve it. So this is great for my work life. And this is great for me to move forward and, you know, build my company or, you know, get my scholarships. But when I channeled the same energy in my love life, here's what it looked like. I would meet a man. I would decide he has what I'm looking for in a partner. Then I would make him my goal. And then I would start working hard on how do I get him to like me? How do I get him to see that I'm a catch? How do I get him to, you know, pay me attention? And basically what this did was two things, okay? At a very core level, it made me chase men. So I was chasing men I liked thinking that I was the empowered woman of today and I could, you know, pick up men that I liked and I could ask them out and I could text them first and I could say, hey, you know, when are we, when Sam, are we going Sammy, out for a drink? Sammy, sorry, could I just interrupt one second? Because I want this to be a really good listening experience. And I think there's something wrong with those headphones. Can we try with your okay. headphones off? I'm really intrigued to know, as I'm sure are the listeners, where were you going wrong in the relationships? What characteristics were you kind of showing within your relationships that were preventing them from being a success? Yeah, that's a great question, Zoe. And as an expert, I always think there's not just one thing where I was going wrong. But for the sake of this interview, if I were to pick like one major thing where I was actually really you know, hurting my chances of success in my love life, it would be that I was channeling my masculine energy in my love life and the way I was approaching my romantic relationships. So to help you understand this, you know, our masculine energy, both men and women are gifted with both energies. So there's nothing sexist about these terms, masculine and feminine, right? Like to be a balanced individual, men should be connected both with their masculine and feminine. And to be a, to be a balanced individual, women should also be connected with both their masculine and their feminine side. So as a go-getter, as an ambitious woman, you know, I was really operating in the periphery of my masculine energy a lot. And I was, you know, a go-getter, ambitious. And so when I wanted something, I would set a goal, I would make a plan, I would go work hard, take action and achieve it. Now, this was great for my career and this brought me far. But when I channeled the same energy in my love life, here's what it looked like. I would meet men I liked and then I would set my target on them And then I would laser focus on them. And then I would think about them all day and night and make a plan on how can I seduce him? How can I show him that I'm I'm a catch? How can I convince him of my value? And then I would ask them out on dates. I would text them. I would initiate conversation. I would, what I call, lean forward with these men and try to pursue the connection, try to make things happen. And I always had this belief in the back of my mind, if I only tried hard enough, 
it's going to work out. So this is the masculine paradigm, right? Like if you don't get success, you just try harder. So that's what I did in my work, in my love life as well. And this was detrimental towards my love success and towards every successful woman's love success because of two reasons. The first reason is when you have this masculine energy approach in your love life, what happens is that you end up attracting really passive men. These men are almost around you in their feminine energy, which means that whether you like it or you, not, or you don't like it, you end up playing the man in the relationship dynamic, which means that you're leaning forward, you're calling, you're texting, you're initiating, you're making the plans, you're saying, no problem, I'll drive, you're saying, no problem, I'll, I'll pay my part, I'll split the bill. And all of this feels great at the start, in the honeymoon phase when there's chemistry and two people really like each other. But what, I end, what ends up happening is that six months down the line, eight months down the line, I got resentful and my clients get resentful because they say, he's so lazy. If I wouldn't do it, nothing would ever get done. If I don't plan dates, he wouldn't ask me out. He's always busy. He's always working. He's got time for his friends. He's got time for a beer, but he's never got time for me. So this is why approaching your love life with your masculine energy is going to make you attract men to you who are more in their feminine. It isn't a bad thing per se, but you have to understand that if you lead with that dynamic, then that dynamic is going to stay throughout your relationship. And then you don't get to complain about it. And you don't get to be resentful about the fact that he doesn't do much and that you're the one giving and doing and providing and feeling exhausted and resentful at the end of it. So that's number one. A lot of high, highly successful women attract lazy, passive men who are projects. Okay. They're like babies. They don't look like babies. They often look very hot. But when it comes to their empowered masculine energy, these men uh, don't have that much empowered masculine energy. And that's why you're attracted to them because you're in your masculine. And when you understand the art of attraction, you understand it's always about the presence of polar opposite energies. It's about polarity. So when you are leading in your masculine, you're going to attract feminine men. But the reverse is also true. When you lean back and relax in your feminine, you're going to attract more empowered masculine men who are going to be able to give to you and do for you. So are you saying that a woman shouldn't, when a woman's and a guy are dating, are you saying that a woman shouldn't message the guy first? A woman yes, absolutely. should... Why, if, if a man wants you, he's going to initiate. And if he's not initiating, he may not want you. And that may be hard for the ego to hear at first, but it saves you a lot of heartbreak and saves you a lot of confusion inside your love life. So many times relationships happen because women pursue the connection. In these cases, the relationships may not have started at all in the first place had the man had the choice, right? So I always tell my clients, you know, feminine energy is about attraction. It's not about chasing, it's about attraction, which means you can still pull towards you the men you like, right? It's a, a bit like uh, dropping the handkerchief, right? Like you can give the subtle signals of, uh, you know, making deep eye contact, uh, smiling when you like a man. Yeah. But 
but not that aggressive masculine approach where you're like, hey, you, you know, what are you doing tomorrow? That is where you really start to lead the connection, pursue the connection. And the sad thing about it is that it's the dynamic that's going to stay in the relationship throughout the relationship. And if that's not what you want on a long, in a long-term relationship, that's not how you want to start the relationship. So where in a relationship, at the beginning of a relationship, would a woman start initiating conversation and text messages? I think it's okay to do that inside a safe attachment. So for example, um, you know, when you are exclusive and you're in a committed relationship, um, I think it's okay every once in a while for you to reach out. You know, I say 60-40, like the man is still in the leading energy um giving more in the relationship and you're the queen you're leaned back you're relaxed you're receiving you know all of this is feminine energy but in the dating phase um the most successful uh amazing bonding relationships come out when the man really makes an effort to win the woman and the woman has not to do much she just has to lean back relax receive and let let love in yeah, I think the problem that we have today is that there's, you know, with the dating websites, Tinder, Bumble, et cetera, et cetera, there's just too much choice for guys. Um, like a friend of mine, for instance, like everything you're describing there about not messaging, I actually do that. And I think I shared with you at the beginning of this that um, I am single. Obviously, I would love, absolutely love to find a man who I can marry and be in a committed relationship. However, a lot of these things that you're talking about, I do. And yeah, I'm, I'm still single. And it's really, I will never reach out to the guy first. I was chatting to a friend recently and she was an older lady. She was single also. And she said, Zoe, you're not a child anymore. She said, you need to do that. But you know, despite what she says, it's just something I can't do. For me, the man has to do the chasing at the beginning. And when I trust that man, when they've gained my trust and showed me that they're worthy of my time, then I will send all the good morning messages. I will initiate as much conversation as I possibly can or as I want to, I feel inclined to. But like you say, yeah, I still think it should be the the guy. But I, for me, it's about getting that trust. But going back to what my friend said, um, my male friend in Dubai, he said, there's just so much choice these days. If one woman isn't giving me what she wants and she's not making an effort, she said, I'll just, he said, I'll just go on a date with another woman. And I think that's okay. the problem that we have with uh, Tinders and Bumbles and things like that. You know, a woman's not sleeping with a guy or if the guy's just going to move on very quickly, move on to the next person. Okay. Now, here's what I have to say to this. I think this is... It's so disempowering to hear this. Yeah. It seems like men have all the power. <laughs> and that's not how I teach my clients today. So, what I do help my clients with is I teach them how to rotational date, which means that you want to be dating more than one man at the same time. Because men are dating more than one woman at the same time almost always. Every man, guilt free explores his choices, explores the best that he can have before settling down, before making a commitment. And so many times, you know, women 
we, you know, meet a good guy and then we lay all our eggs in one basket and we get invested. And then, of course, when we get ghosted or when he disappears, and it was also something that I was doing, um, it hurts and it breaks our hearts. And then we have like a four month, six month recovery period. And we're again wasting time with, uh, you know, just because we invested ourselves so much um, in that one man who was treating us well. And so I think it's really important that women take the power back in dating by rotational dating and similarly just like men you know playing the field so you mean with multiple options date, date for a, a longer f- period of time date a few yeah. guys at the same time right yeah absolutely now rotational dating is not rotational sleeping right that's different a lot of the times people connect people equate dating with sleeping together that's not what dating is dating is an evaluation exercise dating is a vetting exercise dating is you know it's only after the vetting process has been completed that one gets hired right that's when physical intimacy happens but until then um, women should be dating more than one man at the same time going on connection dates chatting with many many men and Zoe if I may offer this uh, piece of advice because I say this to my clients I teach this in my work I would never ask you to initiate with men organically. So let's say you are, you know, at a party and you had this guy chat you up and it was a really good conversation, but he never asked for your number. I wouldn't initiate there because he had the choice to ask you out, but he did not. But when it comes to online dating, when it comes to Tinder, when it comes to OkCupid, Hmm. That's where you may want to send the first message. And I say it's okay for women to send the first message simply because sometimes the algorithms are not in your favor and you want to have the best for yourself. So you actually want to do an active search and you want to find men who are speaking to you in their profiles, who feel like a good fit, who feel compatible. You want to be able to reach them out first. But once you've reached out, again, the ball is in their court, which means that you're not going to be chasing them. Once you've reached out, then they should be able to respond and they should be able to lead the conversation and take things ahead. But yes, if you want to increase your chances of success online, I think it makes a lot of sense for women to send the first message online. Maybe that's where I'm going wrong is because A, I never message guys first. And even on like dating websites, I just can't bring myself to do it. You know, despite it being an online thing and a modern way of dating, I still like to keep that traditional element. And yeah, if a guy likes you, the guy should reach out. And I even write that in my profile I think the guy should you know message first I think when guys see that most of them do most of them do Um, but also the rotational dating thing I have a lot of friends that have done that very successfully although they do the rotational sleeping as well and that often ends in heartache me personally with the rotational dating oh my god I can't even text two guys at the same time never mind date two guys but one thing that so that would be something that I would find quite a challenge for me. However, recently, so I don't want this to be all about me, but but I think my examples, um, because I'm single, and I think my examples will probably resonate with a lot of the listeners too. One thing that I did do recently, because I'll say maybe have one or two dates, and I'm sure lots of other people do this too, and then it doesn't work out. And I'm specifically talking about dating websites here, and then I'll stop dating and I'll take myself off them. And then a voice recently said to me, Zoe, he's out there. It was my inner voice. It said to me, Zoe, he's out there. You have to find him. 
go on 10 dates. So I I said to myself, okay, I'm going to go on 11 dates and I'm not going to stop even if I like the person until I've been on 11 dates. Now, I have to add, I didn't even kiss. All those dates were only lunch, breakfast, running dates or, or dinner. They didn't even involve kissing, only one of them. It was only no, date number four. And at that's because I, I thought that that was going to result in a relationship. And I actually took myself off Tinder and it didn't. After a few months, it fizzled out. So I got myself back on again. But again, I, whether or not you would describe that as rotational dating, I don't know. Because what I wasn't doing was dating one guy and then dating. And well, I guess it was rotational dating. Yeah. But I wasn't really dating the same guy. As soon as I met someone who I thought I could be in a relationship, I del- despite everything that I said, I deleted all the apps off my phone because for me, you're either in it or you're not. So that's my experience. Can I, can I, can I, yes. So that's not really rotational dating because you shut down your options too fast. And, um, you know, so many amazing women, I work with very high, I work with highly successful women. Some of them are, you know, seven figure entrepreneurs, top level executives in the New York Stock Exchange. So like, these are really amazing driven women. And a lot of them, um, you know, they believe that once they find the guy who is like, who fits the bill and who feel, who they feel has potential, they stop keep like they stop dating other men. Right. And this is, this is where things go wrong because in my work, in my coaching, I say very, I very strongly say what you're feeling is intensity and it's not real intimacy. Okay. So there's a difference between intensity and intimacy. Intensity is what you feel after four dates. He's, I think I found the one, this has potential. Now we're going to shut down everything. Intimacy says, you know, I feel the butterflies, I feel there's potential, but I don't really know him. I've just simply not spent enough time getting to know him. I don't know how he deals with life's disappointments. I don't know how he treats people who are vulnerable. I don't know how he ticks off and whether or not he has a temper. I don't know how he behaves Um, when things don't go his way, who he becomes when things don't go his way. Basically, what I'm experiencing here is intensity, which is based on chemistry and this quick feeling of, I've got my person, this is the person. And then trusting that feeling and, you know, shutting all your options out. But once you start understanding that, you know, bond, Bonding, true bonding in a long-term relationship is not just about intensity and chemistry. It's also about intimacy, which means that I can only get to know if somebody's right for me over a period of time, which is minimally three months, perhaps even longer. That's when you start to date in what I call, you know, a healthy, stable evaluation energy and not this smitten kitty falling in love energy. Because when you are in the smitten kitty falling in love energy, I found my person two dates in, three dates in, four dates in, you miss the red flags. You miss, you miss all the things that you should be able to see if you were to take it slow and get to know the man over time, right? So for example, let's, let's give you a quick example. I have this client in my inner circle 
from California. She is, Inner Circle is my six months life coaching program where we support our clients uh, to, you know, create amazing results in their love life. And she has this pattern of quick burn. Like she, you know, she's gorgeous. She's very successful. And she really wants to settle down and get married. And so what she does is every time she meets a guy and they all, they all want, they all come for her. I mean, she's gorgeous, right? So they really come on strongly at the start. And within four to five dates, she's like smitten. She knows, she always knows she's found the one. And then she shuts down all her options. And then three months down the line, some drama happens. She finds out he's an alcoholic. She finds out he does cocaine at parties And it's amazing because we keep saying that message, like you don't know him. You've got to get to know him over time. It is the test of time that's going to reveal whether or not this person is right for you. Okay. So this is like a really important thing to remember the difference between intimacy, which is bonding over time versus intensity. And what I've noticed with my clients is that women really fall for intensity So women really feel the love when they are feeling the intensity, whereas men fall for intimacy because men can deal with intensity. You know, they, they are, they, they, you know, they get erections every morning when they wake up and they're able to manage that sexual energy inside themselves. They're very aware of that sexual energy. They can really handle intensity and not give it any meaning, right? So I always say men can have sex as a sport. Like it's, it doesn't mean that there's an emotional connection there or, you know, she's my person for life just because I'm attracted to her physically, right? So men take time to bond. They bond over time with intimacy and women bond with intensity. And so I tell my clients to turn this around, to not bond with intensity, but to really bond with intimacy over time. Give give something at least three, three and a half, four months to even you know come to a conclusion about whether or not somebody's right for you. And during this three and a half, four months, you should be playing the field. You should not be shutting down your options. Why would you shut down your options? So you said like, you know, I'm in it completely or I'm out. If you want, we can talk a little bit about that because I think that's actually... Um, very hurtful for women's success inside of a relationship if they're all in or all out so quickly. I mean, personally, maybe initially, yes, when you've just met someone, keep your options open. But I personally would not be able to date someone for three and a half months and date other people at the same time. I would never be able to do it. I don't think that that is within my kind of um, value base. It's something I wouldn't be able to do. And it's something I wouldn't enjoy doing. Can I ask you, I mean, sometimes we have to come out of our comfort zone. It's not always about, you know, what feels easy, but it's about, it's about what gets us results. Can I ask you what about it feels wrong? Like, because you're not sleeping with these men, you're, you're just like, assessing and evaluating and going on connection dates because I think three months is a long time right and my relationships tend to exactly what you were saying intensify very quickly get intense quite quickly when we're spending time together and I personally wouldn't want to spend time with someone who I've when I've developed feelings for another person 
And what do you, I mean, based on three months, so when you understand that men bond differently, men bond with intimacy over time and women bond through intensity. So we can see that you're bonding through that intensity, right? But what, what, how can you change your approach and how can all women change their approach when they understand that men don't bond so quickly? Men take time to bond. So is it in our favor and is it to our advantage that we bond so quickly and then we, you know, shut down all our options and basically we're at the mercy of the man because so many times they don't bond, they don't, they, they, they love us, but they they are not in love with us. And there's, you know, another person who can give us something better, not them, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So is it in our favor when you, when you see how differently men and women bond, is it in our favor to keep choosing to bond with intensity? What if we changed our approach and actually, you know, decided that we're also going to take our time to bond because it's good for us. It's good. It's good for us. It's what gets us results. I do actually see your point. Yes, I do see your point. Um, I wouldn't say one size fits all, though, in relation to that, into that instant. But I can definitely see your point. Let's talk about the ma- masculine and feminine a little bit more. Sure. It's a subject that absolutely fascinates me. For a lot of the guys listening to this, how does a man become more ma- masculine in a relationship? That's what most women want in a relationship, a man to be masculine. Yeah. So I think uh, the first thing to understand here is that masculine men come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, they don't always look um, the way we, we are taught stereotypically they look. So, for example, at one of my live events in London, I showed the slide of a man with a lot of muscle and then I showed a short guy and I said, which of them has more masculine energy? And all the women said, the one, you know, who looks so macho and with so much muscle. And I was like, the answer is we don't know. We don't know who's got more masculine energy because sometimes the men who look very masculine, look very much in control, can be very feminine in the way they show up in the relationship, which means that you can be at a party and you can be talking to this man who looks like a stud, a model, and you're like, wow, he's so masculine. And then he just stands there, leans back around you, doesn't initiate conversation, doesn't make you feel special, doesn't doesn't ask for your number, you know, is so passive that it's almost boring. So that's when he's being in his feminine, he may look masculine, but he is embodying his feminine energy around women. So I think it's important to understand that sometimes even really shy men can have a lot of masculine energy. My husband, for example, is, is an introvert and I'm an extrovert. Uh, for the most part, you know, I can really talk and, you know, have great conversations and feel really comfortable in social settings, but he's very quiet. He likes to be in the background. And at the same time, when it came to me, he was such a pursuer and he was so, uh, you know, leading the connection and really, you know, pursuing me. And we even had this conversation where I said, when he asked me to be his girlfriend, uh, two months down the line, he said, you know, I really like you. Would you like to be my girlfriend? I said, that's for teenagers. I did that in college. Um, I'm now looking for my forever person. And so till you know that I'm your forever person, I'd like to keep my options open because that just feels fair to me that, you know, I keep my options open till you know that I am not just worth being your girlfriend, I'm worthy of being your wife. And, um, So it's amazing because I was dating all these other men at the same time, meeting bankers and meeting like men who were in very masculine careers. 
but they were they my husband completely outdid those men when it came to pursuit and masculine energy so i think that's one thing all women should notice because i think women sometimes tell me that oh what if it's a shy guy or what if it's a man who's a little introverted like then should i lead more and text more and chase more and i'm like no because those are personality types shy and introvert has nothing to do with masculine energy you can still have a lot of masculine energy if even if you are shy and introverted right so how can we inspire men to be more in their masculine by being more in our feminine by creating the space by leaning back in our romantic connections because it is when we energetically lean back which simply means doing nothing just being yourself being authentic being happy shining your light in the world as a woman you know dressing well looking good being you know being busy with your own hobbies not pursuing the connection with men actively and when you do that when all your energy is focused on you all the arrows of energies are focused on you not on men not going out towards men that's when you organically create that space in which a man can step up and move towards you right so the number one way not just for single women you know a lot of the times we work when we work with our married clients and when we work with our women who are already in relationships you know the number one thing we make them do is to lean back and to create space inside their relationship because when they create that space then organically their man can rise up so if you were to think of it as a metaphor when a woman is in her masculine both of you are sitting in a boat and you're the one who's got both the oars and you're rowing the boat that's you in your masculine right he simply not got a choice here to row the boat so many of us hold on and then we feel and angry as to why in the relationship yeah and so if you were to put your oars down you were to stop rowing the boat that's leaning back and then you just chill on your red velvet pillow and you look at the sky and you listen to the birds now you are creating that space for him to pick up the oars and to you know drive the boat forward so that's what feminine looks like it looks like leaning back creating that space so that our men have the space to become a man in our presence i like that thank you for that sammy um is men paying and picking up the tab is that a sign of masculinity in a relationship i think this is a very heated subject, right? It like is. Successful, strong women want to be able to pay for themselves. And here's, here's what I tell my clients. When I allow my husband to pay for me, and I'm a very successful woman, I don't need a man to do anything for me. I can do everything by myself, right? It's not about him proving to me that I am weak or I can't do it myself. It's about me allowing him and giving him the absolute privilege to contribute to my life. So I think this is about, this is so much, this is so little about, you know, the act of paying and so much more about the symbol, the symbolism of it. Because when a man pays, you know, he wants to show you that, you know, 
you're important. This is how I want to, I want to give to you. I want to contribute to you for you. I want to, you know, see a smile on your face. I want to give you something. I want to make you happy. Right. And for the woman, it, it symbolizes, you know, I can do everything by myself, but you know what? You're a lucky guy. I'm going to let you do this for me. How lucky, right? How lucky you are. So do I recommend that my clients not pay on dates? Yes. Because I think that's how queens deserve to be treated. Just because I can do it all doesn't mean I have to do it all, right? Our romantic relationships get to be that place where we don't have to be worker ants, where we don't have to, you know, work hard, pay, do everything, give, 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 give. We could keep that aspect of ourselves to our business. And when we come back home, we get to be in a relationship where we are, we can also receive and we can be given to and we, that is what balancing our feminine energy looks like. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I have a friend, um, she dates a lot on Tinder. She always offers to pay half. And it's something that I, I've really don't understand I you know she she read about it in a magazine she said she'd read that men like it when women offer to pay a half so she said more often than not the guy will always say no and she said if he says yes then she says I don't have another date with him full stop but she always offers she always goes to get out of a get her purse out and I never do that on a day I always let the guy pay always and I'd be very happy to get lunch a few dates down the line or get breakfast but initially on those first few dates oh my gosh I think it's a gentleman's prerogative to pay absolutely and I think uh, you know romance and equality are not the same things so when you Nick, Nick Jonas sent Priyanka Chopra 200 roses when she was away in London that's not equality now Priyanka doesn't have to return the gesture by sending him 200 white roses yeah this is romance he is giving he is generous and you have to cultivate the art of being able to receive that right it's not about always equalizing all the efforts it's about letting a man give to you more than you're giving to him and understanding that men fall in love through these little micro commitments they fall in love when they're making that effort and they're giving to you and your job as a woman is to be able to receive that with joy. I always remember on my first long-term relationship, I've got had two long-term relationships on my first one, we were dating for about seven years and I paid for one meal within those seven years. And you know why? Because he forgot his wallet. He literally <laughs> would never, ever and I think even then I had to give him the money because he was like physically, he would get embarrassed about me paying. Mm -hmm. And this was years ago because, you know, we're talking about over 20 years ago now. Um, so it was definitely kind of like a different generation. And I remember then moving into my next long-term relationship. It was slightly different and he was definitely more equal. And I remember him saying to me, Zoe, you, you'd never offer to pay. And I'd literally only been dating him for like about a month or so. And I felt really hurt. And it wasn't, like you say, it wasn't to do with the money thing because you have the money to be able to pay. And it wasn't because, you know, an individual is tight either because I'm such a generous person and I love bestowing gifts on my friends and my partners. Yeah. It was like, it was just for seven years that I'd lived with that. 
And then also living with a father as well, who was very traditional, who would always open doors for you, would always open a car door. Um, it just, for me, it, for my second long-term partner, it was strange. And for me, it was strange going into that. And it was really hurtful. It was really hurtful because I think it gives people a, a bad impression of you when you're not, you know, a, a certain way. I think this is where again the whole intimacy and intensity comes in right like um I think men show very quickly what they stand for and women should be evaluating at this stage not being in relationships and not like sort of getting exclusive and so when a man shows that kind of uh, lack of generosity at the start I think it's a good reflection of how the relationship is going to look like should you choose to go into that and this is not to make men wrong I think uh, we all get to stand for our values and we all get to stand for what we believe in and um, perhaps this wasn't the right person for you because you know that that feeling hurt and that not feeling good was as I teach in my programs, it's a red, it's a red feeling on the compass, you know? And the, the thing with it, it is doesn't change. I don't know how the relationship looked going forward, but if somebody shows you that value so much, such so early on in the dating phase, you want to trust that and you want to take that information into account before getting exclusive with that person. Yeah, I 100% should have done that because it, it didn't, we were together for many years, but it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was a wonderful relationship. So yeah, I should have listened to that very, very, very early on. How important do you think those early months of a relationship are? Because, you know, they say it's so important just to keep that energy playful and fun and not have any arguments. What do you think about this? Okay, so I think the first three men, uh, months of dating are really critical because that's where the tone is getting set. That's where, you know, the masculine feminine dynamic is getting set. Um, I think uh, women who try to be too playful and too happy and too nice are actually doing themselves more harm than good because you you tell the men that, you know, I'm, I'm so easygoing, I'm so cool, I never have a problem. And that's not what life looks like, right? So I tell my clients it's so important that you have healthy boundaries and that you're able to say no and that you're able to say that works but this doesn't even early on in the dating process because otherwise you're giving the man a really unrealistic impression of yourself and then whenever a few months down the line you'll have an issue which you will because it's life he'll be like oh you know I, I thought she was so cool and easygoing and now suddenly she starts to whine and complain right so it's I would say it's best to <laughs> whine and complain a little bit uh, on the way by drawing your boundaries and being very clear on you know what you're going to accept what you're not going to accept because that's what a healthy relationship looks like it's not about pleasing the other person it's about making sure your needs are met and leading with that leading with my needs are important and they deserve to be met now of course for women it brings up a lot of guilt and it brings up the feelings of being a selfish person. And so the way I coach my clients around this is every time the guilt comes, celebrate it. It tells me that you're on the right path. Uh, you're choosing something you haven't chosen before. You haven't chosen yourself before. 
you've man pleased, you've you know gone with the flow, said yes to things you didn't want to say yes to, compromised on things you didn't want to compromise simply because you didn't want to feel guilty or like a bad person or like a selfish person for, you know, speaking up or saying no. So I tell my clients, whenever guilt comes up in speaking your truth in drawing a boundary and saying no, celebrate the guilt, embrace the guilt. It's a positive thing. You don't want to get rid of it. It should be a sign to your brain that you're walking on the right path and doing the right thing that will bring you the love outcomes you desire to have. And what you're talking about, it's not just, I would, I would say it's solid relationship advice and tips on, you know, because sometimes we just need these tips. We need these guidelines on what to do and how to act. But it's not only that, it's also lessons on self-worth and how to love yourself and improve yourself. Because I think ultimately where a lot of women fall down is that we have very low self-worth. Absolutely. So, for example, in my inner circle, my Elevate, which is my six months coaching program, the first two modules are only about self-worth and taking your power back in love. Um, and um, it is so important, even when we you know, are in the masculine feminine conversation, feminine energy is being energy. And it's basically, it's about learning to feel worthy without having to do something in return, right? So the masculine paradigm is, when I work hard and I do, then I deserve. Feminine paradigm is I don't have to work hard to deserve. I deserve by being, right? And that is where the worthiness piece comes in. So of course, it's, I think we accept the level of love we think we deserve. And, uh, you know, when our clients work with us, we show them how to dream bigger and you know have higher standards for what they want and uh, from men and how they want to be treated and then of course when all these feelings of guilt and being a bad person comes up come up we work with that right but it's important to understand that men can only dole out to you what you think you deserve at a very subconscious level do you think there's a lot of pressure these days on men to be masculine and to be the provider and to be the breadwinner? And do you think that encouraging this masculinity can maybe make this pressure more intense for guys? And how can we acknowledge that as a woman in a relationship? Okay, that's a great question. So I think there are two parts to this. The first part is, do I believe there's a lot of pressure on men to be masculine in today's world? Honestly, I don't think so. And I don't think so because 99, 97 to 99% of the women out there will never do the semi wonder work. They will go out there, they will provide, they will do all the work. And so I believe in today's world, men have actually become very lazy because they believe they can expect they can just expect the woman to do all the work. So a lot of the times my clients say, Sammy, you know, they just, they don't want to drive to you. They, they say, come to my side of the town. So I think um, a lot of men have been badly trained to expect that women will do all the work. Having said that, and this is the second part to the coin, there are these amazing good men out there who do want to give and who do want to please and who do want to make you happy. Does it put a lot of pressure on them to be in their masculine? Perhaps, yeah. And this is where I think when my clients do this work, they, they understand the delicate balance that 
you know, for example, let's take my marriage, right? Like I started by being a housewife, right? I went to Paris, my husband had a great job and I was very happy being in that dynamic. He was providing everything and I was looking at the Eiffel Tower and buying nice clothes. And today the dynamic has turned so much where I'm, you know, the CEO of a seven figure company. And I talk to my husband about it and I ask him on some days, you know, like, how does it feel to have such a successful woman, you know? And he just tells me, well, you're really good at what you do and, you know, you can be really proud of yourself. And between the two of us, you know, we've had conversations about, you know, money, right? Like I run an online company, women buy my programs when I sleep at night. So I wake up in the morning and I have made what he will make in a month of hard work and he has a really good job right and so there we've had we've had these really open and vulnerable conversations where I have assured him that you know money is money and you know yesterday it wasn't there today it's there tomorrow it may not be there but his love has always been there he and I we met and married each other when you know we married because of the connection we had and he had my back when I had nothing. And I know, and I reassure him that I know he's going to have my back tomorrow if I again have nothing. And that means the world to me and that money is not how everything gets defined. And I think uh, he really appreciates um, being able to hear that from me because even though money wise now there's a discrepancy because of how my company has grown, um, he's still a really masculine man in the relationship. He's a great dad. You know, he loves to buy me presents. He loves to spoil me. And um, he gives and contributes in so many other ways into the relationship. And I think it's really important that we moved beyond the money conversation when it comes to successful women inside a relationship, because that's not the only way a man can contribute. A man can support you. So my husband supports my success. I have two small children and my baby is 11 months old. You know, I wouldn't be able to be here and do this did he not take the baby for this one hour so that I can, you know, pursue my, my gifts. So I don't think my success is mine alone. I think it belongs to the both of us as a team. And we often have these conversations where, you know, we see how we're challenging the understood notions of masculine and feminine because he is still such a masculine man and yet I out earn him. And that doesn't matter much in our relationship anymore. I like how you put that because I think in today, in many relationships today, there are both sides that are very successful. You've got the man and the woman, um, but you can still, even if the woman does earn more than the man, the man can still be masculine in so many different ways, exactly just how you've described. Um, so quite often it's not coming down to kind of what what you earn. For anyone listening out there, if they would like to find out any more information about your coaching programs, uh, where would they find you? So they can find me on sammywunder.com, S-A-M-I-W-U-N-D-E-R. So it's wonder, not wonder. So that's the spelling. So yes, you can just uh, find me on my website. You can follow me on Instagram, sammywundercoach. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel, Sammy Wonder. So there's everywhere with my tentacles. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you guys for listening. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you're an authority, an influencer, or a business owner with a message to share. 
Or maybe you want to become the go-to person within your niche or even elevate your brand. If so, having a podcast will give you the perfect platform to boost your brand and message. Made Media is one of the few select networks that focus on providing a platform for powerful female voices. So if you would like to start your podcast, contact Made Media and they will give you a 25% discount off their launch package if you say you heard the advert listening to this podcast. What are you waiting for? Let's launch your podcast today.